0: This morning, we turn our attention to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew Scriptures. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 and 9 through 12, we are hearing the story of the exiles' return, and finally, as they come to this task of rebuilding in Jerusalem. All the people gathered together in the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. Amen. This morning I want to begin us with a prayer called A Prayer for When We've Lost Our Way Again by Enuma Ikoro. As I read this prayer, I thought it really spoke to the feeling of those who were there at the reading of the book of law in the the story we read out of Nehemiah. So would you join me as we pray together? Merciful Lord, sometimes it seems like we can't help but lose our way again and again. Our hearts long to follow you, but you know the way of the human heart. You know how in our misguided longings we veer off of our journeying to you, and we begin to chart our own ways by false stars and distorted visions. Forgive us. Forgive us all the times we are tempted by hints of light instead of remaining steered by the assurance of light. Forgive us when we forget that we are already claimed by you, loved by you, and purposed for you. Forgive us when we allow ourselves to shape and be shaped by voices and words that do not bring life, create life, nurture life, or resurrect life. Merciful God, help us find our way again turn us back towards the road spotted with your other pilgrims wayfarers and repentant servants remind us that your way is the way of returning guide us by your spirit and by your light and make us remember the power of the spirit within us make us remember the gifts of our minds our hearts our bodies that you have bestowed upon us that we would use them to honor the directives and the invitations that you lay upon us. We know that our ways are not your ways, and we thank you for this. Help us to trust your ways over our ways. Remind us of your faithfulness as you forgive our short memory. In your immeasurable grace, love, mercy, and wisdom, do not abandon us, regardless of how often we lose our way. Place your wounded hands upon our broken hearts and turn us towards you, Lord of light, Lord of the life, and Lord of resurrection. Amen. Amen. For me, that was a beautiful expression of how it is that we come home. Well, friends, the Israelites, the, the Jews are coming home. They're coming home from exile, and today we address the challenge of rebuilding because that's what they faced as we conclude this sermon series, Out of Exile. Each week we've learned the story of the exile, we remembered how the Jews were forcibly removed from their homeland and they were taken away, taken into exile. That was in the year 587 B.C. by the Babylonians, far away then from Jerusalem for decades, really a few generations They were left to stare existential questions in the eye. Maybe you've had an experience like that or experienced that among a community when something so tragic happens that you begin to ask questions like, Is God dead? What happened? Who are we now? And for them, they were asking the question, Are we so dispersed? Are we so deluded that for all intents and purposes, our identity as God's people is just gone? Evaporated? Poof? Fortunately, exile was not the end of the story. And many times tragedies in life are not the end of the story for us either. Last week we read about their return. They did get to come home. Depending on which timeline you use, it's anywhere between 55 years and about 70 years later, they did return. And we read about that part of the story in the book of Ezra. We read that the first thing they did was to rebuild their altar so that they could sacrifice in worship. Then we read that they rebuilt the foundations of the temple so that the house of God would be restored. And yet even as they sought to recreate the beautiful space of worship that spoke to them of Yahweh's indwelling among them, of Yahweh's blessing over them as the people of God, it wasn't the same. Those that remembered the former temple took it the hardest. In fact, the scripture last week told us that the shouts of joy and the cries of grief were so loud, they were so mixed together, you couldn't tell one from the other gratefully, they did continue the rebuilding process. We, as the inheritors of those who uh, call them our ancestors, we are so grateful that they did not give up, that they continued, and they have offered us a powerful legacy. And so today, we meet them in the town square in front of the water gate, the scripture tells us. Scripture says that the priest, Ezra, Spends a full six hours. Now you think that an hour of church is a long time. Just imagine. Ezra called them all together into the town square, all of the people, and read the Scriptures for six hours. And they paid attention the whole time. Amazing, don't you think? In fact, the Scripture lends us to believe that they were rapt. Just holding on to every word that Ezra said as it called them back to their foundations. And what Ezra read for them was the Torah. We sometimes call it the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had to be reminded, the Scripture tells us, to rejoice because as those words filled them, they felt sad. They felt regret. So I I ask you this morning, let's just take a moment and remember, have we ever felt that longing or that pang when you realize that if you had known then what you know now, you would have made a different decision, and yet you're stuck, right? Because you can't go back. You cannot erase what you thought was the right decision then, but looking back on it through the lens of hindsight, you can see It was a painful, painful mistake. So that's where the people are. As the Torah is read, those who were privileged to return to the homeland, which was not all of the Jews, but those who had that privilege realized just how short they had fallen from God's intent for them as a people. It reminds me of the words of the prayer that we read this morning, forgive us. When we allow ourselves to shape and be shaped by voices and words that do not bring life, do not create life, nurture life, or resurrect life. From that place of deep regret, the people made a commitment that day. They said, never again, never again, we will remain faithful to following God's ways which is the next phrase from the prayer, we know that our ways are not your ways. And we thank you for this. Help us to trust your ways over our ways, O God. So that's the experience that the people are having there in front of this uh, gathering where Ezra is giving them the words of the Torah, and they have to be reminded, this is a good thing. This is God's gift to you. Rejoice give portions to those who cannot be here yet. They even drank sweet wine. It was a party. It was supposed to be a time of rejoicing, and so they were being encouraged to rejoice. But from that point forward, friends, God's people established the primacy of sacred text over sacrifice. It was a shift in the way they worshiped that cannot be overstated. They, in some ways, actually became a different, people in that moment because of where they looked for their authority. And they began at that moment to lift up this Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, what they call their scriptures, as absolute. This is now the law. And they want to protect however they can their community from violating this law, which represents to them the relationship between God and God's people. They committed in that moment to following God's law with faithfulness that could only be superseded by God's faithfulness in giving the law to them. They were serious in that moment because their understanding was that their unfaithfulness is what had landed them in exile, and they said, never again. We're going to do it differently this time. So, friends, we're talking about the challenge of rebuilding today. What I would say to us is that rebuilding was about so much more than a building. It was about so much more than the temple, even though the temple was incredibly important to them. But this effort to rebuild and the challenge that they discovered in the rebuilding was really about this marked faithfulness to the law to becoming a set-apart and separate community, to developing ways of ritual purity that everyone engaged together so that they would know who they were. And out of that came a very rigid insistence on obedience. No matter what, they must obey. It would be another 500 years before Jesus arrived which is plenty of time for this rigidity to sink deeply into their culture. And it was plenty of time for the men of privilege who began to study the Torah, the law, in a very different way than they had before, for those men of privilege to carry out its demands in a ruthless quest for perfection. By the time Jesus came along, those, the laity who were insistent upon this were known as the Pharisees, and the priests and the religious authorities who insisted upon this were known as the Sadducees. Different understandings, but, but really kind of coming from that same place of we must obey. At any cost, we must obey. It was plenty of time for the everyday, common, ordinary folk to become concerned with the letter of the law and to forget all about the spirit of the law. So perhaps... As we look upon the the coming of Jesus in the next 500 years, we can begin to appreciate, right, why it was actually the religious folk who had the hardest time with him. The one who says, wait a minute, it's the Sabbath, it's made for us, not us for that. If someone is ill, of course we should heal on the Sabbath. Right, We're, we're following the Spirit, not the letter. Each week, we've asked a question of this story that we've been learning, what can we learn from the season of exile as we attempt to recover, to rebuild after a pandemic? And as I read this story out of Nehemiah, what I was struck by was, A, how much we as human beings need a cause for every effect. Have you noticed that? Something happens like, well, that must have a reason. Maybe it has five reasons. Maybe doesn't have any reasons. But we need reasons, and we need somebody to blame. Of course, as they realized how far short they had fallen, they had to have a reason why. And so they jumped to the past, and that's where they looked for their reason. That's the second thing I noticed. I was struck by their tendency to look back, to trust the past for guidance. Friends, that's a normal, natural, human experience, right? When you have been reeling from uncertainty for months, or in their case, years, decades, generations, asking those painful existential questions, is God even God anymore? Who are we now? When you're asking those questions, of course, you look back and you say, you know, when we used to, this was always so important We look to the past for our guidance. And so did they. In today's text, notice how they were set on making sure that the exile never happened again. And you can appreciate that, right? They never want that tragedy to occur among them. Again, they never want that to be a part of their story. But eventually their insistence that you must obey every letter of the law would become for them a painful hindrance. If we were to go way back and look at how God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai after they had been delivered from slavery in Egypt and here they are wandering around in the desert, God gave them the law or the teaching, the Torah, as a gift, right? For their good, Because God wanted to bless them. It was to point the way toward a relationship with God, how corporately they were to live that out, which is why the word Torah actually is better translated teaching instead of law. It was intended to be instruction about how to live the life God wanted them to live so that the relationship between God and the people would be strong. And it is why Jesus would introduce many of his teachings with the phrase, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. It wasn't to negate the law. The law was good. It was given for their good. It was considered to be a blessing. However, sometimes our insistence on following every letter of the law means that we forget the primary, the most important of living out the blessing that it was given to ensure. Like the exiles, we get to come back. Praise God. I don't know how you all feel about it, but I am thrilled to have real people in the sanctuary. When I'm preaching, it helps me so much. And I love to be able to see you all visit with each other. I love to see you reach out during the week and now some of our groups are beginning to come back in the building, and, and it's wonderful. And out of all of this, we still have this presence online that we probably wouldn't have had until probably right about now anyway, unless the pandemic had kind of, uh, you know, said, okay, you better go online. You know, so, so what a gift, right? We get to come back. We are a part of this rebuilding, just like they were. And we will rebuild after this long season of loss and isolation. And you know why? Because the God we serve is in the redemption business. Never forget that. That's who God is. God will always take the tragedy. God will always take the crisis. No matter who caused it or whether nothing caused it. And God will rebuild it. Because that's who God is. I hope that seeing our experience through the lens of the exiles allows us a little bit of hindsight. They made a painful miss, friends. And the hard part is they made their miss because they were trying so hard to hit the mark. Have you ever had that experience in your life? Man, that's tough. You know, when you look back on it, you're like, but I I thought I was doing the... And that's where they were when Jesus arrived. No, 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 no. we were doing this for all the right reasons. Give us an A plus, God. A for effort. I mean, come on. Maybe we can see that a little more clearly as we read their story so that in our season of rebuilding, rather than reaching to the past for meaning and direction, we instead reach for the future that we can't see yet. But God can. God can see it. I was so moved by the line in the prayer, make us remember the gifts of our minds, our hearts, our bodies that you have bestowed upon us. Not the law, not the writings, but the gifts that are already a part of who we are that we would use them to honor the directives and the invitations you lay upon us. It is not that we should not be faithful to God, please. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that however it is that God teaches us, particularly through the sacred text, we see it through the lens of who is God calling us to be, not who have we been. Our ancestors preserved a faithful and covenantal relationship with God after a painful period of loss and chaos, and we should be so grateful. You know, if they had sat in the middle of their existential questions and said, I give up. I don't care. If God would let this happen, I don't want to serve that God. and just walked away. You know, we wouldn't be here today. And aren't we grateful that they said, no. The God that we know, we can't understand exactly why this happened, but the God that we know is in the redemption business. And God's going to make this right somehow. And so we are so grateful for their intent, for their faithfulness, But their execution of it, uh, it could have landed in a better place. Today, I'm asking you to reach for God's goodness to allow it to take shape in ways that we have yet to see. May we trust what God has waiting for us in the future. That it could be even better, believe it or not, it could be even better than our fondest memories of the past. And may we join with Okoro in praying, place your wounded hands upon our broken hearts and turn us toward you, O God. Amen.